Last month, Leslie Titcomb surprised the pensions industry with her announcement that she was standing down from her role as Chief Executive of the Pensions Regulator in February 2019. With the regulator looking to be clearer, quicker and tougher, pensions regulation has a fascinating future ahead. My name is Alec Janio. To discuss the future of the pensions regulator, I'm joined by Steve Webb, former pensions minister, now director of policy at Royal London, and Janet Brown, a partner at law firm Sackers. Steve, what has the regulator achieved during Leslie Titcombe's tenure? I think it's worth remembering that Leslie Titcombe was only in post for, or will only have been in post for about four years, and a lot of the criticism about the regulator perhaps being a bit slow to act predated her tenure. So when she was in front of the select committee and they gave her a hard time, she must have been biting her lip not to actually say, well, it wasn't me, Gov. Um, so I do think that the regulator has evolved and has continued to evolve under Leslie's stewardship. Um, I think that they... For example, she came from the FCA and having a pensions regulator and an FCA not talking to each other, not working together has not been good. So I think she's led to greater joint working there. The pensions regulator has overseen compliance with automatic enrolment, which people forget about, but he's huge. And actually compared with compliance with you know health and safety, minimum wage and so on, I would say it's gone very well, as well as evolving the speed and effectiveness of DB regulation. So overall, you know, I think it's a pretty good record. Janet? Yeah, I think the regulator, sadly, possibly at the moment, is going to be remembered for the appearance before the select committee. And I'd agree with Steve, that's quite unfair because the regulator's role has also, the things she has to see, uh, has to regulate over, has grown massively in recent times, adding on master trusts, auto-enrolment, DC, DC pensions, freedom. It's probably not the job she signed up to when she took the role on. And I think, actually, she has made a fair fist of it. There have been great improvements. We all know the pension regulator exists. They have been out and about in public um, pushing general themes. Whether they were the right themes, we'll come back to. Sure. I mean, what might the regulator have done better during this time, Janet? Well, that's quite a sticky end of the lollipop question, isn't it? Because um, I think uh, there's always room for improvement and the regulator themselves recognises that in uh, the TPR future guidance. But I think if we go back to their previous mantra, which was educate, enable and enforce, they probably stuck with that a little bit too long. Uh, Now the clearer, quicker, tougher probably suggest the areas that they think and I think are quite fair that they should be focusing on and, and do a bit better to get that school report up from a, a B to a, an A+. Being clearer, I think, in what their expectations of trustees and employers are. I think being clearer possibly to select committees about what powers they were given by Parliament and what they can and can't do. Being clearer in their relationships with the DWP and the Treasury about how legislation is working for them or not working because I think some of the criticism they've had is about things. As a lawyer, I can see they were never going to be able to change on their own quicker I think the regulator when it's proactive needs to be a bit more fleet of foot and tougher well I think they could be better at being tougher on the right schemes um, DC chair statements we've seen a lot of fines a massive increase in the enforcement and penalties that the regulators dishing out at the moment I think they need to be clear why they're doing it and not just saying we've got power to fine you've you know it's it's a demerit you failed we're fining you they need to be clearer about the reasons why so some good stuff, but as they themselves say, the TPR future has to, as Steve said, evolve. And I think there is a tension, and, and TPR were caught in the middle of that, between trying to keep the employers going 
trying to make sure there's still an employer there to pay the contributions in the future and trying to shore up a hole in the pension scheme. And if you look back just before Leslie Titcombe started in the early, you know, the 2010 to 2015 Parliament, we were just coming off the back of a financial crash and all the word from government, from Treasury, was jobs, 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 jobs. We've got to avoid a double-dip recession and so on. And any bit of government that wanted to lean on employers for anything other than creating jobs wasn't allowed to do so. So the regulators' remit was nudged one notch in the direction of trying to keep British industry going in about 2012 or thereabouts. Um, and then, of course, a few years later, everyone says, oh, Philip Green was allowed not to fund his pension scheme, Carillion were out, and, you know, why weren't you tougher on Carillion and the BHS and so on? And, of course, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Clearly, there were, there were warning signs in both of those cases and things that could have been tackled quicker, I would agree with, with Janet. But there is this balancing act, and people are sometimes critical because the, the regulator has a, a remit to achieve lots of different goals, keep people out of the PPF, protect the sponsoring employer and so on. And people say, oh, these are inconsistent. Well, they are. But that's the point. They have these uh, these obligations which are in tension with each other deliberately because what you don't want is a regulator that says, oh, I don't give a damn about British industry. The only thing you're there for is to shovel money into pension scheme and end up with firm closures. On the other hand, you don't want one that doesn't much care about the PPF. So they do have to hold these things in tension. Sure. I mean, the white paper looks set to embolden the regulator. And Steve, how do you expect the regulator to evolve? Um, and what would you like to see? My big priority in, in one word would be dividends. In other words, you know, what do you do with a company that's perhaps struggling to fill the hole in its pension scheme? There's a big hole in the pension scheme. Uh, you know, what, wh where is there some slack? And I think dividends is the key case. Carillion, for example, Carillion in their final year were putting twice as much a year into their dividends as they were into the pension scheme. Now, there's nothing wrong with paying dividends. Company pension funds invest in shares which pay dividends. So, you know, we can see that. But it seems to me when chief executives and top executives are paid and are paid bonuses on the basis of dividends and share price, guess which they're going to favour? And that might not be in the best interests of what public policy wants, which is the right balance between, yes, rewarding investors, but also dealing with the pension deficit while you can. Yeah, I think the white paper's got you know something for everyone apart from people who wanted the uh, RPI CPI override. Um, I think it'll be quite interesting because of the, um, the sort of Brexit planning bite in Parliament. We're going to see a lot of consultation, and in particular, I think the first thing out the uh, traps is going to be the code of practice on scheme funding in early 2019, as I understand it. And I think that's an opportunity for the regulator to evolve and say, "This is what we mean by prudent, and this is what we mean by appropriate." Now, that's a real double-edged sword because we're all slightly concerned that might end up being a son of MFR by the back door. But on the other hand, it will give trustees and employers some, you know, guidelines to operate within. I think the, the headline grabbing recklessness offence, I hope, doesn't really evolve because I think that's political uh, pensions in politics rather than something helpful. The meat for me, partly I think dividends, the other thing would be on consolidation. In other words, the the, the white paper, as, as Janet says, is stuck in this legislative blight that there's no time to pass laws. What we actually want is if we're going to do consolidation seriously, we're running out of time. So Alan Rubenstein and the Superfund are trying to do consolidation without harmonising scheme benefits. What the DWP, the PLSA and others have looked at is actually homogenising scheme benefits, which could be the basis for much more effective consolidation. But we're a long way away from the laws that would be needed. And by the time they've been passed, it might be too late. Sure. Well, that's all we've got time for. For more information on all things pensions regulatory, please visit pensions-expert.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.